Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Football is back, and so is Cash the Ticket. Jim Costa with Mike Valeni every week this fall. That's picks, parlays, and that's sweet, sweet value. Cactus included on all the NFL and college football matchups. Full breakdowns on the biggest games, but if you have a life, you don't have 45 minutes to spare, we've got you. We're the most on-demand podcast. We're catered to you and the teams you love. That's Cash the Ticket. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception, Reception, the show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Cole, Matt Harmon here with you, and you're listening to Reception Perception of the Show. All right, great show lined up in, in front of us here today. Going to be talking about Jalen Waddle. I'm on Ross St. Brown. Matt Harmon, my guy, you, you've dropped some dynasty rankings onto the website. Well, I've, I've, they've been up there forever. I've just updated them for the first time since the draft. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, they're, but this is the first time I've ever kept an up-to-date log of the dynasty ranking or an up-to-date uh Dynasty rankings anywhere is only at receptionperception.com. And I think I've only been doing them the last two years. I didn't do them the first year of the site. Um, you know, this is just, and just for wide receivers. You don't need yes. my dynasty rankings for <laughs> damn running backs or anything like that. Who cares? You find that somewhere else. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So there you go. Uh, I'm going to be, uh, we're going to be talking about Jamar versus Justin Jefferson, a little DK Metcalf, Elijah Moore talk coming up in the podcast as well. But, uh, but we talked about Jalen Waddle. Uh, I'm on Raw St. Brown, the two profile pieces that we're going to be highlighting today. Jalen Waddle, man, um, some surprising findings from me. Okay, I'll go over his raw stats first. 17 games, 117 targets, 75 receptions, uh, 1356 through the air, eight touchdowns, uh, a really solid 64% catch rate. But Matt, where I think I was really surprised was how effective he was on deeper routes. We're talking the corner post in nine. Um, 78.4% success rate on the post and 68.8% success rate on the nine. That surprised me. I'm why did, why did that surprise you? Just cause I mean, he's such a, he's such a speed guy, you know? I mean, he's a, and he just like, he moves so well, man. I think that's, what's really exciting about Jalen Waddle. When you watch him, you know, among the prospects that were charted for the 2021 class, Jalen Waddle actually was number one in success rate versus man coverage at 80%. 0.1%, if I remember correctly, um, that guy could just get down the field. Like, I mean, it, unbelievable speed threat. I yeah. think, you know, it was interesting about, and I know you you want to talk about the usage for him versus Tyree Kill here in a second, but like, I, I think it was a really interesting for, for Jalen Waddle that, you know, when you actually go back and look at these two guys, him and, and Tyree Kill in comparison, it was really Jalen Waddle playing like the X receiver role, like not just in, mm-hmm. in the fact that he was lined up outside on 75% of his sampled snaps for reception perception. He was on the line for 77.9%. He was also, as you mentioned, not just running like the downfield routes. Well, those were the routes he was running most often, you know, post routes and then dig routes out routes, like those real X receiver routes. And I mean, he was really fantastic on all of those. I think it was just such a nice step from his rookie season where like, it's kind of crazy to watch what Jalen Waddle was doing last year and then actually go back and watch him in his rookie season with, um, you know, kind of RPO heavy offense, like those pop gun routes and just be like, yeah, this is a guy that I guess that's the surprise, right? If all you knew about Jalen Waddle was what he did as a rookie and like those short a dot, you know, uh, targets like the short, you know, yards per catch type stuff. And then you saw what he did this year. I guess that would be surprising, but this year's version of Jalen Waddle or t- the 2022 version of Jalen Waddle was much more akin to what you'd expect from him if you if you watched him in college if you if you kind of understood that profile and this is sort of like my axe to grind with like describing players based on their you know yards per route run or their average depth of target or like that yards per catch or yards per target it's like 
A mm. lot of that is quarterback driven. A lot of that is offense driven. I realize like it's the same quarterback through the first two years with Tua, uh, you know, for Jalen Waddle here, but right, vastly different offensive designs from what he was doing as a rookie versus what he was doing last year, Jalen Waddle. So I think last year's version is probably the the player, the version of the player that we should expect uh, him to be. I think. Uh, the reason I am surprised, Matt, is because one, uh, you you kind of figure Tyreek Hill would take over that, like you know, that area of the field going long, um, and, and some of the deeper routes. I th- I thought, uh, and I still firmly believe that where Jalen Waddle makes himself a special player isn't on the deep routes, but it's more in the intermediate area of the field. Um, that's where when you watch him play, I'm just like, man, he's just wide open, um, on digs and comebacks and anything in the intermediate area of the field. Also, that is an area where they have done a really good job. And he himself has done a really good job catching intermediate balls and then just house calling them, right? Like that's, (laughs) that's what I, that's what I love. Right. So when I see that it's, 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 it's some highlight bias, but it's also just like, you know. I guess my what I carry into watching the game tape of Jalen Waddle of like, okay, I know he's going to be really great in the short and intermediate areas of the field. But then when you look at the numbers of, of what you charted, not only is he doing that, because he is doing that as well, but he's also extremely successful over the top. And that's why I was surprised. Uh, yeah, just to kind of put some numbers, some RP numbers behind what you were saying there on, you know, the the what he does in the intermediate areas, you know. I mentioned he ran the dig route is his most commonly run route or second most commonly run route at 18.2%. The out route, 8.7%, 83% success rate on digs, 78.3% success rate on outs. And a lot of that is against zone coverage. Jalen Waddle, 81.8% success rate versus zone coverage. Like you remember the Dolphins offense, especially at the beginning and then sort of kind of the middle of the season, they were just like, Teams were scared of that speed. Like, right. even though Jalen Waddle didn't show it necessarily as a as a rookie, teams knew he was a fast player. They certainly know Tyree Kill is probably one of the best vertical receivers, one of the best speed players to ever like ever touch the t- touch the field. So they were like playing off. They're playing a lot of like soft zone coverage. They weren't getting up and getting physical with these receivers. So like Jalen Waddle was awesome at diagnosing those zone coverage plays, like especially work in the middle of the field. Uh, as you mentioned, like he is just, he's, I, I really thought I was really taken aback by like kind of the intelligence uh, of ability to, okay, he's running a dig route and like that guy's in his path. Like he's always going to cross that guy's face. He's always going to come into a spot where Tua can find that, that open zone. Like I mentioned, 81.8% success rate. That's an awesome uh, success rate versus zone coverage score, especially when you're running like downfield routes. Like you're not running a bunch of short routes. So, right. And then, yeah, obviously he was only brought down on first contact on 35% of his in-space attempts. So he is great after the catch as well. But I certainly think we see, you know, an ability for Jalen Waddle to win on slant routes to 80% success rate. But, yeah, the the post nine and corner, he is a guy that's going to affect the game at all three levels of the field. He's a guy that's going to take the top off, but he's also going to house it, like if you get him against zone coverage. He is uh, such a unique and, and fun player and obviously matched in a great spot there with Miami and Mike McDaniel. Yeah, I think what they've done with Mike McDaniel, too, uh, on that offensive scheme, it, it's like they search for, they really look for big plays. Um, and I think that's been mm-hmm. uh, a really, I don't know, it's it's fun football to watch. It really is. I mean, yeah. when you've got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle out there making, you know, trying to make house calls every single play. That's <laughs> that's a lot of fun, man. Uh, what they got going on in South Beach. Hey, you know, the usage too, in terms of of the route percentages, um, the nine post and quarter corner. When you add them all up, it's about thirty percent of his routes going over the top. That's pretty good. Uh, and again, it, it sort of belies my expectations of of the player in terms of okay, I thought he was going to run a bunch of digs and slants, which he did, by the way. Uh, ran a dig at 18% slant at 20%. So he's mixed some of that in, but I was surprised. I, I got to be honest with you by how often uh, they throw him in over the top. Yeah. And again, like running those routes from the X receiver position just makes it so much more difficult. Um, they really use Tyree kill more. And obviously Tyree kills uh, RP profile is not on the site yet, but you know, you'll, you'll see, I think more for him, 
they used him around the formation, you know, got him off the line of scrimmage, used him in motion, right. wanted to use him on kind of some gimme routes and stuff like that. I think number one, because Tyree kills a great separator, you know, he's always been uh, an exceptional press coverage beater, an exceptional zone and man coverage beater. Like he's a full field route runner in addition to being a great vertical receiver. So I think that they were more probably a little more comfortable with um, him in that sort of layup role, more so necessarily than Jalen Waddle. But yeah, I, I was, I was really interested to see how these two guys would like match up with each other or, or how they'd kind of um, how they'd kind of com- like c- complement each other. Really? Jay yeah, yeah, yeah. and Tyree kill, because I wouldn't really say that they're similar players. No. Um, they're both fast guys. They're both explosive. They know how to get open, but I, I think there are some differences in their skill sets that make them uh, at least like, again, I was interested to see who would play in each position. Well, cause I thought, um, Jalen Waddle, I thought he might be more of like a vertical slot player coming into the NFL. Mm-hmm. I thought that might end up being his best role, but then he was more of like a short to intermediate slot player. Like I didn't necessarily as a rookie, I didn't necessarily have him pegged as a vertical X receiver. I thought like no. Tyree kill might end up being in that role just because he's been so good against press man coverage. But, um, you know, Jalen Waddle obviously was that guy last year and, and the offense did have some great results, but they did, they, they did sort of hit, um, hit a bit of a stall there at different points in the season. And, you know, obviously to his concussions, that was an issue, yeah. but quarterback play ran into, played, played a small part, <laughs> might've played a bit of a small part, but I would yeah, say yeah. too, that, you know, if there's one area where you can kind of critique Jalen Waddle and, and I'm interested in sort of having like a larger conversation about where he ranks among receivers. Like, you know, I'm not like his success rate versus man, 69.7%. That's perfectly fine. It's not a bad number at all. It's, it's pretty close to what he did as a rookie. I believe as a rookie, he was around 70%. Um, you know, so that's solid. His success rate versus press is, is actually a lot better than it was as a rookie. I think being healthy, uh, you know, we also have to remember that was one thing I kept harping on with Jalen Waddle as a rookie. He was still clearly working his way back from like, a devastating ankle injury that he went out and played in the national championship game for like no right. reason or, or whatever for Alabama or in the playoffs. I don't know, you know, college football, whatever. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> 70.2% success rate, <laughs> 70.2% success rate is not bad, but it's like 62nd percentile. It's, it's sure. certainly above average. It's a quality score, but I do think that you know, it's not like Jalen Waddle is fine against press coverage. Tyree Kill, I think, is great against press coverage, but I do think you could ask Jalen Waddle to be slightly better against press coverage, especially on routes like the curl or the comeback, like routes where he needs to snap back. And he doesn't run these routes often, but like right. routes against man coverage, he's going to have to work back to the quarterback, like time that break well. I think he could do that a little bit better. And he's a smaller guy. Like, so maybe press coverage is always going to be like, again, not, an, I don't want to say an issue, but like we're picking nits with receivers. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I don't know. I, um, I, I, I'm curious where, where do you think Jalen, like is Jalen Waddle to you? Is he a true number one? Is he like, where does he rank among receivers right now? Cause you know, I put out that article on Yahoo, like the top 10 receiver top 15 receivers, 25 and, and younger going into the season and I had Waddle 10th and I got a lot of crap for that but um I don't I I don't know this this one small nitpick I think was enough for me to break ties in favor of guys admittedly who are only in their second year like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson yeah I, I think you got it I, I think you're spot on uh look he's 5'10 180 okay um that certainly is going to play a contributing factor uh, in terms of, of beating man press coverage. Uh, I mean, you know, you can always get by with technique, but the, I always I talk about this all the time. The margin for error gets a lot smaller, uh, when you're five ten, one eighty. 180. Uh, like I said, I think you're onto something there because, um, if you want to be a dominant, um, go to receiver, of course you want to have good zone scores. But uh, and again, we're, we're really nitpicking here because we're saying we're who is the elite yeah. uh, who's the elite of the elite that's what we're saying but if you want to be in that class if you want to be in that class matt you know not only do you got to be zone but man you got to be uh, uh you know man press coverage too unless unless you're going to be exclusively in that slot area right uh where you're, you're yeah. primarily going to be facing zone coverage but but again the usage Matt would not tell you that that's how they view nope. um, a, a Jalen Waddle who played about 80% of his snaps outside, uh, 20% inside. 
And you you compare that with what they did with Tyreek Hill, who was more of a movable chess piece. 60% outside for Tyreek Hill, 40% inside. By the way, those numbers, that's very similar to his last couple of years in Kansas City. Andy Reid mm-hmm. kind of figured out, hey, you know, it's probably good to get this guy moving around um, and make him a, a little bit of a matchup nightmare. So um, you're right. Waddle played pretty much an outside receiver, and and that's the, the role that he played. But if you're going to play there, Matt... Uh, dude, you, you got to beat man press coverage. That's just, that's what you got to do. Yeah. And he does beat it. It's just not to the level of some of the like kind of superstar receivers. Right. So I'm, I'm really interested to see this whole dolphins offense this year, man, because a lot of like what Jalen Waddle did does screen, you know, from like a yards per catch a yards per uh, after the catch per reception. It is a little like 2021 Debo Samuel. We're like, yeah, he ain't going to do that again type thing. Like the regret, everybody's favorite word in fantasy regression, right? <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm, I think this whole offense does kind of have a lot of questions to answer. And again, I, I do think they ran into some trouble when teams like the Chargers, when teams like the 49ers really got up and got physical and were not right. going to let the middle of the field um, be an option for Tua. And some of that's on Tua. I would say like probably 80% of it is on Tua. And then, but the other uh, yeah. 20%, the other 20% falls somewhere yeah. on the receivers. And as much as we like Jalen Waddle, I mean, Tyreek Hill's just a proven press coverage beater. Yep. Um, I think we know of the two who, who that probably falls on that, that 20%. It's a small percent, but it's 20%. And I think that's where it's like, is Jalen Waddle enough? Is he a, is he a one or is he a really great two? Is he a one B? Um, I'm curious. I don't know. I, he's a one B. I think he's a, I, I think, think he's I a one B, yeah. but there are other one B's that I like more than him in terms of like Devonte Smith, Brandon, Ayuk, um, DK Metcalf. Ha ha ha. That's for the brand. Uh, and, uh, and, and T Higgins. <laughs> I like all those guys a little bit more than Jalen Wall, but Hey, all right, receivers a load of position right now. So yeah, it's, it's, absolutely. it's tough to rank these guys. No doubt. I would have Waddle just, uh, I, I'd have him a touch ahead of T Higgins. Uh, but I have no qualms about him, uh, him behind somebody like DK Metcalf. Uh, for sure. Uh, I, I mean, again, just DK is just a, such a physical force. But uh, but again, golly, I mean, we're really nitpicking here. Jalen Wall's a great yeah. player. Great player. Uh, amazing great player is Jalen Wall. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. It's Reception Perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, I think, is in that same mold. Uh, also a great player, too. Um, 146 targets last year, 106 receptions, 1,161 yards, six touchdowns. Matt, a 72.6% catch rate across 16 games. <laughs> you don't get more efficient than this guy, man. He's just always open, and he's always making catches, man. He was incredible in 2021. Yeah, that um, article that I mentioned, the 20 receiver, or the top 15 receivers, I think I had yeah. him on Raw at 11. So he's left off the social media graphic, of course. Uh, and, and I'm getting, you know, where's Amon <laughs> yeah. Ra St. Brown? And like, I mean, like we said in the last segment with Jalen Waddle, ranking receivers is really, really, really hard. If you do the exercise and you don't feel like a pang in your gut of guilt that you left somebody, that you slighted somebody, you did the exercise wrong, and Correct. that is how I felt about Amon Ross St. Brown here because you know I love this player, of and I love this archetype of receivers. But so well, let's talk about the positives before we talk about the, okay. the small nitpicks here because, yeah, I mean, 
the, the great part about him is that we know he's a good zone beater. 80%, 80.4% as a rookie, 81.8% as a second-year player. That was pretty stable. That was my point on, uh, you know, I have was so – I went to bat for Amon Ross St. Brown last year as a guy that was not just, you know – People think he was like falling ass backwards into targets to end his rookie season. Like, no, he was getting a ton of targets. Yeah, the competition wasn't great. Guys were hurt, but it's because he's a good player. He's a great right. zone beater, and that's what you yep. want from this big slot receiver archetype. Um, so, like, yeah, I, I was really in on him last year, not being, you know, like a gimmick, like a, a flash in the pan, like a really quality good player. Yep. But we saw him take a leap in his second season too against man press coverage, where again he's not not like an elite player, but he went from 60.3% as a, as a rookie to 70.5% success rate versus man. And I remember doing the in-season charting, James, and, and mentioning this to you, being like, he's starting to show signs that in isolation he can beat man coverage, 68.8% success rate versus press. Again, not an elite number, but a pretty quality number for somebody that is mostly an inside big slot receiver. Right. I think when you're ranking um, him against other players, it's just like, is he the downfield threat? that some of these other guys are, is he what I said, like with the dolphins offense where you have to defend every blade of grass, you know, you look at Amon Ross St. Brown's route tree and that's not really there, but I mean, it's hard to ding him for that because it's not his role. So I, I don't know what uh-huh. he, in terms of the big slot receiver archetype, in terms of Bud Light Cooper cup, what I called him coming out into the, in the draft, he is totally that guy. I think when you take a look at what he did last year, I'm, I'm just so impressed um, first of all, he played 22% of his snaps outside as a rookie. Um, they really jammed him inside and, and uh, that's, that's the role that, you know, you want him in, you know, he's absolutely breaking ankles, um, as a slot receiver. So he played about 80% of his snaps as an inside player, his rookie year. But then Matt, what I found to be really interesting, he goes from 22% outside in 2021 to about 40% outside in 2022. Mm-hmm. So they expanded what he does. They, they said, hey, listen, we know you can win inside, but now we're going to ask you to win outside at times as well. Can he beat you over the top? Probably not. It, it's going to have to be, you know, some uh, some kind of, you know, a gimmicky play where, you know, he can get in over the top of you, right? But for the most part, we know that what he's going to do in the short to intermediate area of the field, that he's just going to bust you, man. <laughs> he's going to bust you big time. Um, but... Again, going back to his expanded role, more outside snaps, then what does he do, Matt? Not only does he get more outside snaps, then he starts beating more man press coverage as well, right? So to me, um, that improvement, first of all, going through the historical database, you don't see this kind of improvement, a 10-point improvement in man success rate going year to year. That's rare. That's rare. Yeah. Um, in the RP um, database. And then again, a huge improvement uh, 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 against press coverage going from 52% success rate to 68%, nearly 69% success rate against press. Can you speak on that a little bit? Because just from a historical point of view, just taking a long view at it, you're like, man, that is a huge improvement in those areas. Yeah, it's it's a huge improvement. And, and there are guys um, like Juju Smith-Schuster, right, who has this big second season and was always a good quality zone beater, but he's always been below like 60% against man coverage. So he started out lower than St. Brown, you know, by the way. Uh, and it's crazy too, like St. Brown really wasn't even a full-time player in the first part of his rookie year at all. No. He was like barely right. used. I remember writing in the in-season rookie report that year, like, yeah, he just hasn't really played very often. And they actually used him a lot as like a downfield receiver in his uh, first, weirdly, in the first half of his rookie season, or he just was running a lot, like a lot of big post routes and, and nine routes. It's like, well, that's not his game. And then they move him closer to the line of scrimmage, and and it really was successful. And yeah, there's not a lot of guys that take that big jump in terms of man coverage, and that's where it's kind of tough to doubt this guy because he's such a good, like he's obviously such a hard worker. He's such a good right. player. He's such a dif- disciplined craftsman. You know, yeah. Um, and really, like, I, this is kind of where it's hard. Like, do I – it's just when you're comparing guys across the league, like, who do you want? Do you want a Jalen Waddle or do you want an Amon Ross St. Brown? Like, by the way, I think that's worth a conversation because I think St. Brown's that good of a player. And, like, St. Brown was a fourth-round pick and Waddle was a top-ten pick. And the fact yeah, yeah, that we're yeah. comparing these guys is a, right. is a, is a credit to St. Brown. So – 
but I think, and it's just kind of like, do you want to ding this guy for something he's not really ever asked to do? Like, I'm sitting here saying he doesn't run nine routes and post routes well. Well, he ran post routes on 4.2% of his routes. Nine routes was 3.8%. Corner routes yeah. was 2.7%. I mean, that's like literally nothing. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. His ability to beat man coverage is truly like what made him not just a slot only player too. Because if you're gonna if you are gonna play outside even as a flanker, you've got to be. I would say like, I mean you you and you want to be like a true one, right? Like not a, again, Juju can play like flanker a little bit, but he's not. He's a, he's a two. You know, if you want to be the central figure of a passing game and you're primarily a slot, but you're gonna have to play. If you're gonna play in two receiver sets like. You're playing outside at least, you know, 40%, like you said. So yeah. you have to beat man coverage. And I think that's like a real credit to his game that he took that step. He's such a great fit with Jared Goff too, right? That's another thing yep. to, that makes him uh, such an easy player to bet on. All the stuff that he does so well is like Jared Goff's favorite routes to throw. Uh, but yeah, you're right. He didn't, he wasn't asked to run a lot of downfield routes. I would be surprised if that area ever develops. I really would, uh, you know, yeah. lacking the, the top end speed. He's also a small lure receiver. Um, it's just, you know, it just, it, it wouldn't seem like from a physicality standpoint, that would be an area. And to be honest with you, those might be wasted routes, um, to be asking Amon Rice St. Brown to do that because he is just such a reliable chain mover, right? If you know, you've got, you can just bank eight yards, 10 yards, 12 yards with Amon Rice every single time you throw him the ball. You're doing that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I wonder if it, it would almost be wasted snaps to ask him to, to, to run these aggressive routes downfield. You know, um, just knowing the physicality. But again, maybe doubting him is the wrong way to go. <laughs> maybe doubting this man is the wrong way to go. Um, you and I were both so surprised by how far he slid uh, in the draft. There was a lot of teams that could have absolutely used a player of this quality, and he showed it. I mean, come, Jesus Christ! It, and it's not like he played for. You know, some small school. He played for freaking USC. Like, how did people? I don't understand. How did people I, I miss this? My theory is, I think this archetype of receiver is still very new. Okay. I think the Rams were on the cutting edge of it with what they were doing with Cooper Cup. You know, in the first few years of his career, and I think you know now that we've seen sort of that offense trickle out, you know, trickle around the league. Uh, you know like Alan Lazard has done some of this type of stuff with the Packers, you know, last few years, obviously St. Brown here uh, in Detroit, you know, the fact that these like bigger guys are being kind of viewed as slot players. Cause yeah, look, I mean, if I'm on Ross St. Brown went to a team that viewed him for whatever reason as like a X receiver, He's not, he's probably not a good player, right? I always said that about Cooper Cup, and that sounds like sacrilegious. And it's why, by the way, ranking Cooper Cup, like where do you rank Cooper Cup compared to some of these like other top end receivers? Hard to say. Yeah. Really um, hard to say. B- because I'm confident that, like, and this is again with the St. Brown thing. I think if you asked Garrett Wilson to play in Amon Ross St. Brown's role, he'd be really good at it. But would Ger- Amon Ross St. Brown be really good in Garrett Wilson's role? I, I don't know about that. So I don't think so. That's think where so. I think teams, but that's not a reason to drop a player to the fourth round. If you have a need for a slot receiver, you should be able to look at this guy and, and see his ability as a collegiate player to beat zone coverage. win on like outbreaking routes too that really give the quarterback, like not even just the layup throws, but you know, it can gain some chunk throws and that's like get, get some chunk plays in there and his ability to win on out routes and flat routes. I'm on Rossi and Brown has translated to the NFL Yep. And I, I think that's really where teams kind of miss the boat just because this archetype of player is still very, very new and evolving, I think. And and I definitely think that other guys that come with this sort of profile will not fall as late into the into the draft going forward. Let me ask you this, Matt. I've gone into this whole offseason with Detroit wondering, okay, they need to get some kind of reliable outside X receiver, and that's going to really help somebody like Amon Ross St. Brown, much like adding Tyreek Hill into that Jalen Waddle mix, you know, makes just life so much easier uh, for Amon Ra, right? He took a leap from his rookie campaign to his sophomore campaign to go from his second year to a a full-fledged just blow-up third year. I thought, okay, they're going to need an X receiver. Now I'm not so sure. He might just get there. Uh, through his own sheer willpower. Yeah, I don't think it's about him. I think he'll be good no matter what. I think it's about the Lions offense as a whole. Like, I don't think Amon Ross St. Brown needs somebody to stretch the field out. Although, like, 
who is winning past 20 yards at this point? If we are both in agreement, James, that as good as St. Brown is, He's he's and he, he's not running nine routes, post routes, and corner routes, really. Right. Like, and, right. and he's probably never going to do that. And it's okay, but he's probably never going to do that. Like, I'm not a DJ Chark fan. His reception perception is pretty terrible. I think he's really lost a lot, but he was at least a vertical ball winner. Um, Jamison Williams not going to be there the first six weeks of the season. Is right. it your boy Marvin Jones in his second stint with the Lions? Is he your vertical receiver? Is I Josh mean, Reynolds? Golly, Josh Reynolds. Oh like my that's, goodness. I think when, like when the Chiefs play the Lions in Week One, if you're uh, Steve Spagnuolo, who are you like? Yeah, who do we have to respect in terms of their ability <laughs> to stretch the field? Mm, I don't know. 30, it's, is it, it's not Sam. I mean, Sam Laporta, the rookie tight end. No, uh, no, no he's a gag no, guy. No, they drafted no, a, no. a receiving running back in the first round. For God's sakes, like, are they throwing yeah. anything past twenty yards? That's my probably my. Number one hang up, not about Amon Ross St. Brown, like producing, he'll be fine, he'll be great. Right. But the Lions offense as a whole, when people are gung ho about the Lions, you know, they're opening the damn NFL season. Okay. I know. I know. Are they supposed to, like, who's catching balls past 20 yards at this point? I, I don't know. Uh, Marvin Jones, 33 years old. I, no. <laughs> and you know I love me some Marvin Jones, but come on, man! Like there's uh, there's just no way. Uh, you know he's lost a lot of juice. Uh, you're asking him to right now be your outside X guy, man. Like that's tough. That's a tough ask. Um, the reason I ask this though is I go back. You call him. You know at some point you called him a, a Bud Light Cooper Cup. Can he do that? Can he put together a you know, I don't want to say a 2000 yard season, but a Bud Light version of that. Can he look, he had a good season last year. He really did. Right. But he didn't crack 1200 mm-hmm. yards. He had six touchdowns. That's fine. That's good. 16 games, six touchdowns. That's totally fine. But when we're talking about development of player turning into from a good player into a great player, can he become a great player on his own without help on the outside? That's my question to you, Matt. Can this guy crack into yeah. like 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns? That's what it takes from a statistical you know, benchmark to say, yeah, okay, this guy now has arrived. He is a great player. We're talking 1,400 yards, double-digit touchdowns. That's the dude. Amon Ra St. Brown is that dude. Can he be that dude in this offense with no other options on the outside? I'll ask you that because I, I, I'm not sure. I would have told you a week ago before seeing the profile, I would have said, no, cannot do it without a, a reliable outside option on this off- offense or at least uh, the threat of an outside option. They don't have a threat of an outside guy for the first six games. Um, and who knows what Jameson Williams, what, what, what he's going to be. Yeah, as a player. We have no, no idea at this point. Um, and I would have said that for sure. No, it not going to happen. Not going to happen. But seeing that individual improvement against man and press, like I said, now I'm not so sure, man. I'm not so sure. Yeah. I think he can do it. I think he can do it. It's just from a statistical perspective. Yeah. It just, is the offense going to be good enough? I, we think mm-hmm. yes, because Ben Johnson's good. And like Jared Goff for as much crap as we give, as people give Jared Goff, he's like a perfectly fine, uh, you know, average starting average. quarterback, maybe yep. above average starting quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He's good enough to get, I mean, dude, Cooper cup was having those seasons, you know, before, um, before, before, even before Matthew Stafford arrived, you know, he was, he was having those years with this very same quarterback. Uh, I mean, was he having, right. He was like he wasn't having the seasons that he was having in in 2021, right? But he right. had 974 yards in 15 games and 12 starts in 2020. Working back from, um, or and then in in the year before he had 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns, 94 uh, catches. So like, yeah, he can have Cooper Cup having those type of years. Amon Ross St. Brown can definitely have those type of years. It's just from an offensive efficiency perspective, are they going to be good enough for? Amon Ross St. Brown to be on the field enough for him to get 1,500 yards, I do think the other players on offense are going to have to step up. This is Reception Perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. So very lively discussion there with uh, two some very two young players. Um, but and it dovetails nicely into dynasty rankings here. We're talking about uh, the dynasty rankings that you can find on the site receptionperception.com. Uh, and right off the top, I mean, just right off the top, Matt Harmon's just putting them out there. 
because it's he's got Jamar Chase ahead of Justin Jefferson, which I think would fly in the face of what most everybody else would would rank their wide receivers, dynasty or redraft or otherwise, having Jamar ahead of Justin Jefferson. Take me through the thought process there. Yeah, I mean, here's the deal. Uh, we talked about Jamar Chase a couple episodes ago. I think he's a great player. I think he can have the season that Justin Jefferson just had at any point. And hey, look, they're in the same tier. My dynasty of rankings course. are tiered. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear a ton of complaining about players that are in the same tier. Okay, the re- that the reason <laughs> tiers exist. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. Because like, if you want, that's why. That's why you do it. All right. And really, there's like a structural reason to do it from a draft perspective. But the real reason is okay. They're in the same tier. I don't want to hear a bunch of complaining about you know who's who's ranked <laughs> here. But because you're complaining to me, James. <laughs> I'll go ahead and talk right. about it. Um, there you go. I mean, the real reason I write I, every player on the dynasty rankings, like for subscribers, prime and sicko subscribers get access to the rankings. I have notes for every guy too. And I pretty mm-hmm. simply think that just Jamar chase is tied to Joe Burrow probably for as long as those, those two guys are playing. Right. Yeah. The, you know, theoretically, theoretically. And, and Justin Jefferson is tied to Kirk cousins for this year. And then who knows? We don't know. We don't yeah. know. So I just think like two fantastic players. One has already, I think both of them are true number one receivers. Justin Jefferson, I think, has made the jump into like being the best receiver in the NFL. I think Justin Jefferson right now is a better player than than Jamar Chase. Um, and sometimes that's simple. It's just simple enough to just say that and log out and that's the end of the discussion. There you go. But to me, I do think that just because from these are fantasy ranking, like if I'm ranking real life receivers, Justin Jefferson is ahead of Jamar Chase, but Jamar right. Chase is really good, not far behind. It's just one of them has Joe Burrow for for the rest of his career, most right. likely. Yeah, I like that. Um, okay, <clears throat> DK Metcalf. He's 25 years old. Uh, I I personally think you you've got him entirely too low. Um, he is number 18 on your dynasty rankings. And he's behind guys like T. Higgins, who you have at 10, Devontae Smith at 11, and Drake London at 12. Um, I just think DK needs to be, uh, I don't know if he needs to be necessarily ahead of those guys, but I, I just feel like 18's too low. You know what? I'll go ahead and say DK Metcalf needs to be ahead of those guys. He's so good. He's so good. I mean, uh-huh. come on, man. And uh-huh. he's a dominant, dominant physical player, too. Um, and, and boy, I tell you, it's not like he's old. He's 25 years old, bro. Like, I just feel like what he does on the football field, um, he, he needs to be higher than, than T. Higgins, Devontae Smith, and Drake London. He'll be 25 this entire year, too, which you know I referenced that Yahoo article a few times on the show. That like shocked me that DK qualified for the list I was coming up for guys who are 25 right? and younger going into the season. He didn't turn 26 until December of this year like he's got the entire year at 25 and you know one year who cares but but still he is a fantastic player he actually um is the player i just finished charting last night uh for for dk metcalf so his numbers are actually in the sortable database by the way if you're a subscriber and you didn't know this and i don't know how many especially after yesterday uh dropping the news that i had to delay a few profiles and some people in the discord are like oh we don't even pay attention to the release dates i'm like i wonder how many people actually don't pay attention to when we drop like when i drop these profiles probably only uh, only me and like five others and and obviously (laughs) zach miller uh but exactly you know (laughs) if you don't if you don't notice this like some of these guys they get auto populated before the profiles are up just as soon as i'm done charting them so you can see a few guys that are in the sortable tables right now that i haven't put profiles up for yet and dk metcalf is one of them and you know dk's awesome dude i'm with you man he's a great player i'm sure we'll break him down in depth in a future episode but great man press coverage beater true x receiver had some issues last season with ball you know as a ball winner and and and, you know make some mistakes in terms of some drops that shouldn't necessarily happen but that's total nitpicky stuff i agree he's a great player he's in a great situation he does um, share the play, share the field with a guy who might be as good, if not better than him and Tyler Lockett. And now the, yep. there's another first round receiver in the mix there in Jackson Smith and Jigba. So um, I think DK Metcalf is a very good player. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm content with you telling me that I, I've, I have him too low at 16. Um, I'm, I'm fine with that, but uh, I, I do think he's a guy that's really interesting to rank up against. Jalen Waddle and Drake London and and you know right. I definitely think having Devonte Smith as high as I do at wide receiver eleven is 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 pretty I think that's probably aggressive across the industry but you know Higgins is tough because I think Higgins is going to be a great fantasy player you know for as long as he's tied to Joe Burrow it's just such a great situation 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, Cincinnati's obviously hopeful they could lock up T. Higgins for a long time, too, and just create that little trio um, there in Cincinnati for sure. Uh, but that's going to be – I tell you what, Cincinnati's going to have a tough decision to make, man, with T. Higgins. They really are. How much, how much, willing, how much money are they willing to put out – uh, to keep that uh, to keep that group together. I don't know, man. It, it in the seems, NFL, it seems like to me, it seems like to me they're gonna like kind of move heaven and earth to keep those two guys together. Um, yeah, Chase it's and, just and, it's just not common in the NFL, though. I, I mean, I, right. I know we're getting away from from fantasy and all that stuff, but it's like you just don't see it that often in the NFL where where teams spend that much capital, financial capital, on two receivers. Um, just I don't know. I, I, I'll be interested to see uh, if if the Bengals have a number in mind, and obviously T, T. Higgins is going to want more. Uh, but is he willing to kind of you know maybe take a small haircut to stay with Cincinnati? I don't know. I'll be interested to see how that development uh, plays out there uh, in Cincinnati. All right, uh, Elijah Moore is twenty three years old. I'm a huge Elijah Moore just you know fan. I just love Elijah Moore. Uh, but him at number thirty six to me feels feels too low as well. Um, I would rather have him ahead in dynasty, uh, ahead of Hollywood Brown, who you have at 35, Jordan Addison at 30 and Jamison Williams at 28. Um, give me Elijah Moore clearly ahead of all three of those dudes. Yeah, no, I, I feel you. Um, I feel you on this one. Although I will say I haven't at 36, like his DLF dynasty league football, which is, they've been, you know, at the forefront of dynasty content for yep. forever, basically on the internet. He's consensus ranked there at wide receiver 42. So I actually hey. like him ahead of, cons- and ahead of consensus already on Elijah Moore saying like, yeah, you don't need to be too concerned with what you've seen. Um, you know, these kind of quote concerns and stuff like that with it, w- what happened last year. The player is still very, very good. I'm also way ahead of consensus on like Rashad Bateman at 26. Like so, so ahead of consensus on old Rashad Bateman there. Um, but yeah, no, I think I'm with you on Elijah Moore. You won't hear me like arguing and, and <sighs> Jamison Williams is like, James Williams has to be the toughest player to rank in, in dynasty oh, right yeah. now because like you <laughs> I've seen nothing from him. I mean, nothing. <laughs> and it's gonna and we're gonna be James, you and I are gonna be on this here podcast. Hopefully I'm not still sitting in this damn if I'm still sitting in this condo in this, you know, on this with this folding table, we've got a problem. Yeah. But, yeah, but yeah, we're gonna yeah. be sitting here on this year podcast saying in October or, you know, whatever in, in the beginning of October saying, we still have seen nothing from Jameson Williams. We still have no idea who he is as a player. And like, no I idea. thought his collegiate profile was good, not great. Like I thought there was a clear difference between London, Wilson, Olave and, and Williams. I didn't think like there was talk that he was the best receiver in that class last year. N- no, he wasn't. And he's probably not going to be <laughs> in the NFL. Right. But, um, you know, he's a tough, he's a really, really difficult guy to rank. Uh, I think Jamison Williams is. So, yeah, I mean, if you think Elijah Moore is too low at 36, I think that's fair. It's just really tough with Elijah Moore when these guys, like, get their careers off track. And I know I'm talking about both sides of my ass here because I, I'm really not, like, I, I'm, I'm really not, like, concerned about him as a player. Just like I wasn't concerned about Brandon Ayuk as a player when he got his career yeah, yeah. off track in, in San Francisco. It's just he's on a new team now. Um, I think he's going to be really good there. But – just I, I just it, you know, we haven't we haven't seen what his role is going to be with with the with the Browns. I, I think he could be like the best receiver on the roster in two years. You know, yeah, like he could be the best receiver on the roster. There's no question about that. So I think he's a guy you should absolutely be trading for right now. I think people that are trading him away are, you know, kind of being prisoners of the moment and not really seeing like not they're missing the forest for the trees, you know, or whatever the expression is. I, I'm very much still in on Elijah Moore. Uh, I look to to be fully transparent. Obviously, there's going to be some project, a lot of projection going on in regards to Deshaun Watson, right? When I say, "Oh, I'd rather have Elijah Moore ahead of all these dudes," what what am I also saying? I'm also saying that Deshaun Watson is going to be vastly improved um, here in 2023 and moving forward. Because my God, last year it was Bad. not good. That was not. <laughs> that's not good football. Uh, we saw from Deshaun Watson. So yeah, I get it. There's a lot of projection going on at the quarterback spot. In addition to projecting <laughs> Elijah Moore, keeping it all together too. So there's yeah. multiple layers of the variance that could happen. So I get that. 
Uh, but I just think, look, I believe in the talent. I think he's such a good player. I think Deshaun Watson, legal troubles now, you know, mostly behind him. Hopefully we'll keep our fingers crossed. Um, I'm on board. I'm, I'm all in uh, on Elijah Moore, who's again, just 23 years old, dude. That's bonkers. That is my, there's been so much digital ink spilt on Elijah Moore. It just feels like he's so much older than he is. 23. He's 23 years old. I love Elijah Moore as a player, and I really think he's going to thrive in Cleveland. I think so too. I'm I'm in on Elijah Moore, and, and he's somebody that I think you should be absolutely, you know, kind of like trying to trying to trade for right now, just because I think he's, you know, maybe maybe because there's been some off season hype. I don't know. Dynasty markets are so like salt, like yeah, impossible. I know. Okay? I know. Yeah, like, exactly. There's so many. Yeah, setups way different like, yeah it's yeah it's setups like, it, it, and, and like emotional emotional investment okay like this is not like i mean by the way and even in, this is a whole another topic but any fantasy trade it's like easy to go say like hey look at this trade calculator look at on this site he's ranked here and all this it's like okay but like if you came if i had elijah Moore on my dynasty team and you came to me with all that stuff and be like he is worth this i'd be like well, I don't give a shit. I really like him as a player. And I, when he breaks out, which I believe he's going to break out, I wanted to have him on my roster. So like, yeah, piss off. Like I'm not, I don't right. want to trade him to you. Like, and yeah. that happens in plenty of leagues. And by the way, that's fine. If you just like a guy, mm-hmm. like you like a guy. So, uh, but I, so I say all that to say that if you can trade for him at something reasonable, you know, I, I think it's perfectly, perfectly good to do that because I think he's going to be a good player. Um, the biggest riser from my dynasty rankings was definitely Jahan Dotson, though. Like, mm. you know, I went back and looked at, you know, because I was like, all right, let me just go take a look at these dynasty rankings, make sure everything's up to snuff. And I was like, yeah, I got to get Jahan Dotson up into my third tier, you know, up into my same tier as Terry McLaurin now. You know, there's guys, there's an age difference there. Same tier as Brandon Ayuk, same tier as Debo Samuel and Chris Godwin and, and JSN and, and Deontay Johnson. Oh, my God. I'm looking at these DLF rankings and and they've got Deontay Johnson at wide receiver 35. I've got him at 23. Okay. What are we doing with Deontay Johnson at 35? All right. I'm insane. Most, I mean, I know he's a mistake prone player and he's easy to like, you know, point out the flaws with, but oh my God, he's such a good player, such a good route runner. So like, give me a break. I I think Deontay Johnson might be one of the most undervalued like dynasty uh, players out there right now but yeah i mean john Dotson though was a guy that was like i gotta get this guy higher so um you know i certainly think he his, his dynasty ranking now sort of reflects what i feel about him which is okay there's you know there's uh london olave and wilson tier of them tier to themselves in this year yeah, yeah. Uh, that draft. And then I think right after though, it's Jahan Dotson. And I think there's a drop off from Jahan Dotson to all of the other receivers that were rookies last year. And I think now him being in tier three uh, is, is a, is, is kind of a good, good place for him. We talk about projections all the time and we're in the projection business. Uh, we're in the projection part of the off season as well, because you know, we're, this is, that's all the time we got in the world to, to do all these projections. But when you talk about Deontay Johnson, I, I think the reason he's fallen off um, draft boards and, and just, you know, his ADP continues to, uh, to drop. It, it's because of the projections, not for him, but for George Pickens, everyone is so high on the yeah, uh, yeah. expansive growth of George Pickens that uh and again, and it makes logical sense. If you think that George Pickens is going to take a leap and you think he's going to become the primary target getter in that offense, well, Deontay Johnson's value has to fall. It has to. It doesn't make any sense for it to stay where it is, right? So, um, But I think your data, uh, the reception perception data, certainly uh, would suggest otherwise, uh, which again uh, is a big reason why, uh, folks, it's, it's a little bit of a cheat code. Uh, to have a reception perception um, subscription uh, to help you with such matters. So there you go. Um, all right. Give the folks a little bit of, of a, a update on the calendar uh, drop dates and all those kind of things. I know you've been uh, just slammed moving across the country. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I hate to hate to do this, uh, but I am going to delay. Like I mentioned earlier in a couple of the show, I was like, I don't even know how many people even uh, pay attention to these release dates. I, I put the, no <laughs> announcement on discord people like yeah i don't we don't care about these release dates that's fine uh whenever you get the stuff is fine uh yeah. so uh, that made me feel a little bit better about it but I, I hate to do this but some of the guys i was planning to drop on july 3rd uh the final usual main drop for these like other nfl veterans you know the usually it goes second year you know second year receivers years three to four and then um these all the rest of them on in early july i'm gonna push some of it back into like mid july like ju- the week of july 17th 
just because, like you said, I, I have been um, I have been slammed uh, moving across the country. I promise to never move across the country during RP charting season ever again. Uh, <laughs> Listen, whenever, pal. I mean, don't, gonna, hey, hey. Listen, don't don't make promises you can't keep. All right, what are you gonna do? I mean, you're, it's dude, either in the season again. or in the off season. <laughs> I'm never, I am never moving again. Never period. Moving again. That's actually that's oh, that's the real God. promise. I'm dying oh, right there uh, by the lake. So uh, okay. yeah, I, I uh, basically what you can expect is on July 3rd, uh, I'm putting up most of the guys with one, at least one notable exception. Almost all guys from the. 2019 draft class so Debo okay. Samuel DK Metcalf the aforementioned Deontay Johnson um AJ Brown Terry McLaurin those guys Marquise Brown maybe those guys will all be up there and then some of the other vets you know the Devontae Adams the Tyree Kill these really really good players are going to go up um uh, on July 17th the week of that that week because I go. do take a vacation on July 4th week uh, I'm not going to be charting during that week I'm not doing the <laughs> podcast either I'm not doing any of my podcasts I'm there taking the whole week off so uh, yeah, it, it, just, it's, it sucks. I, I don't like to delay content, but it's the reality of where my life is right now. But my promise to the people is this, I promise by week one, there's going to be more profiles on the site than in either wow. of the first two seasons. Wow. Uh, I believe if my records are correct, it was 67 and like 70 the first two years. I think I can hit 80 this year because wow. bro, there's so many, there's so many guys and it, I think it's worse than ever this year. I'm I'm looking at my list right now and I'm like, yo, there's so many like maybe not good, but players people are curious about. Yeah. This year more than ever. And I say that every year, but so yeah, it, uh, this th- there's a delayed drop this year, but I'm promising a- at least 80 by wow. week 1. 80 profiles wow. on site. Rookies, Amazing. rookies and vets included. Amazing. Amazing stuff. I love it. Okay. Um, so there you go. That's your show, man. Uh, Matt's a, a busy boy uh, there on the East Coast, but uh, but certainly um, we're going to get tons of his content. Speaking of tons of content, uh, the podcast in a couple of weeks here is going to be moving to a two-a-week format. So uh, if you love us, we appreciate y'all. If you want to uh, you know, like, and subscribe to the podcast, that would be great. But we're going back to the two shows a week format starting in a couple of weeks. The week after uh, Matt goes on vacation for a much deserved uh, vacation during that July 4th week. So after that, though, watch for two shows a week um, and uh, we'll be off and running and, and just steamrolling ahead towards week one. So that's Crazy. that's the good stuff. man. I know that's the good stuff right there. All right. So there you go. Uh, that's it for the show, man. We're going to catch you again next week. We appreciate everyone listening. For Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. We'll see you.